Entrepreneurs can get stuck in their head, challenged by their thoughts, the voice in their head, and their beliefs. We chat with successful entrepreneurs who share their journey and the lessons learned along the way. The Add Valued Entrepreneurs podcast is edutaining, leaving you with actionable advice to transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. Our conversations are for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it. It is possible. It's time for you to add value. My guest today is Trevor Turnbull. Trevor is the fractional chief growth officer. He serves awesome leaders and their teams to drive scalable growth. Trevor's diverse experience in marketing, sales, operations, and product development shortens the client's buyer's journey, accelerates the sales cycle, reduces acquisition costs, and increases lifetime value. He's in the trenches every day, testing and innovating to ensure he is providing relevant and timely solutions to drive revenue for clients. He has empowered over 26,000 people with his online client acquisition training, coaching, and mentoring, and has shared his personal story and methods in numerous media publications, including Forbes, Entrepreneur, Time Money, and Business Insider. Trevor lives in Kilauna, BC, Canada with his wife, Sharmila, and two boys, When he's not growth hacking, he can be found teaching his kids to stand on a paddleboard in the local lakes to prepare them for surfing the waves of Costa Rica's Pacific Coast, their future family home. Trevor shares how he started helping people build websites and then became an expert at LinkedIn. We chat about the buyer's journey and his personal mantras, be brave, be curious, and be grateful. Trevor, thank you so much for jumping on the show today. I appreciate you taking the time and looking forward to a great conversation. Yeah, Robert, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Like I say, I enjoy conversations with good people and interesting topics. So, you know, we don't even know exactly what we'll get into here, but I'm sure it will be all of that. Gee, I imagine it'll be entrepreneurship and LinkedIn. Um. (laughs) We could definitely go down that path. There's probably many, many rabbit holes we can go down, but I'll let you you start with let's just start with your journey into entrepreneurship and, and where you, where you started and, and where you've gotten to and, and uh, what was your motivation in there? Sure. Yeah. So it's so funny, whenever I do these ones, it was like, well, when I was two years old, it's like, no, no, don't go that far back, you know? <laughs> but if I do take it back a bit though, so I, you know, we were talking earlier, I'm uh you know, from the middle of Canada, I grew up as a hockey player. I'm all the stereotypical things, including any kind of accents that happen to come out here on this conversation. And because of that, though, you know, I saw my identity as a certain thing, which was as a hockey player for a long time, like over half of my life. I'm 40. What am I now? 45 or 46? I can't even remember. But, you know, for 25 years of my life, that's what I was. And And then I went to university and I thought, oh, geez, I better go get a degree if I'm going to do something with my life. And I kind of stumbled my way through that for a couple of years and then ended up with a marketing degree after six years. I say that, you know, it didn't I didn't need to be in there as long as uh, as a lawyer or a doctor, but I chose to. And I honestly walked out of that with, um, you know, straight into a sales job and, you know, never really leveraged or used my marketing degree in what I was learning in school. And I was lucky that I got um, some great mentorship from the people that supported me in the sales role that I was in. And this was like 2003. So it was like pre-social media. Imagine that. And uh, I lasted about three years in it, though. And then I had a friend that reached out to me and said, hey, there's this Internet thing. You should take a look at it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I use emails. He's like, no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. It's like people are like writing blogs and doing courses and learning and you can build websites and sell them. And I was like, shit. (laughs) So we started a business in 2005 building websites for people and um, did well with it. Uh, Eventually sold that business and then kind of stumbled back into a job because I thought I wasn't, you know, cut out to be an entrepreneur and then lasted about nine months in that and then said, no, no, this is what I'm meant to do. And then the short of it is, is, you know, over the last like 12 years or so, I dove into social media and LinkedIn primarily, like to what you were referencing. And I just started to leverage it and use it to build my network and to kind of take my skills that I had in the real world in sales and networking and everything else. And, um, built courses around LinkedIn. I've had like 26,000 people go through my online courses. I don't 
do the courses on LinkedIn anymore. Uh, Somewhat. I I still have some trainings and stuff, but haven't really focused on it for a while. And yeah, it's just kind of more from there. You know, my growth as an entrepreneur has gone through the peaks and the valleys like, you know, anybody else. And I've learned to embrace it. I, I speak about that quite a bit of the idea of like, should I quit or should I just double down on this thing? And like, the answer is, I don't know, whatever you feel like doing, you know, like, you know, in your gut, whether or not you're cut out to keep going and, but just surround yourself with good people and have great conversations, which is why I was saying, like, I, I love doing these kind of talks. My, uh, one of my, one of my guests, uh, Angie Callen called it the entrepreneurial roller coaster. Oh yeah. Oh, I got a $5,000 client. Yay. Oh, nobody signed up for two days. Oh, I should quit. Yep. Uh, oh, I got a great referral. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nobody likes me. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. And yeah. I know for me, I'll just share this too, as a part of the journey, like in 2018, I had quite a bit of success in selling online courses and, you know, doing that exact thing, right? It's like $90 course, $200 course, $300. Geez, I can't sell a $300 course. Okay. I'll make it 200 again, you know? And with 26,000 people that have bought membership memberships and courses from me over the years, like I've did well, but I hit a point where I was like, Oh man, this is not fulfilling. Like 6% of these people are actually consuming the information and doing something about it or whatever the number is, you know? And, and I hit a point in 2018 where I was like, man, I, I just want to help people with the transformational side of their business personally, professionally, everything in between. So I went all in and I took out a hundred thousand dollar loan and invested in a mentorship program that was two group calls a month uh, with five, six other people in the room where I felt normal for the first time in 15 years. And there was no tactics. There was no Facebook budget. There was nothing. It was just literally feeling normal amongst other people. And, and I completely shifted my business and went more to a mentoring coaching model and 10 X the price points and had better months than I had ever had. And then had massive, like, you know, I talk about it in a, in a talk that I did where it was like, I did 50 grand in the first month that I transitioned. I was like, damn. And then I did zero the next month because, because I was like, oh shit, I just sold $50,000 worth of coaching and training. I better go and deliver on what I said. And that's the roller coaster, right? It was like 50 K zero. It's like, holy crap. And then it was like 30, 50, 80, and then back down again. It's part of the journey, you know, Absolutely. it was just at a different level. That's all. Yep. So let's talk about the sales job, right? So you started out with it, that sales job and that let's, let's just, how, how much did that three years of sales experience? Cause I really think that selling is kind of the art that entrepreneurs, many entrepreneurs are missing, mm. right? If they, if they haven't had that foundational piece. And so let's just chat about how much that helped lay a foundation for this entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, it helped a ton, like, especially now with what I do, because you referenced the fact that like, you know, maybe on the surface level, it, it appears as though I still coach and teach people on LinkedIn. And I have courses around sales uh, training and that type of thing. But what I've really done with my trainings to support people now is really marry what I did learn back then with what we have at our disposal now, which is all these tools for communication and ways to build connection through video, like interviews like this, but also like direct videos to people just through your phone, you know? And in 2003 to like 2005, when I had mentorship from a sales guy who was old school, you know, like he, he walked in on my first day and dropped a phone book on my desk and said, here you go, kid, best of luck. You know, like no client list, nothing. He was just like, go do your thing. And I was selling signs at the times, like signage on buildings and whatnot for businesses, billboards, that type of thing. So my best way to network was to go to breakfast meetings and luncheons and go to networking events in the evening and then to drive around town and look at signs and look for realtor phone numbers and just pick up the phone and call. So it was like cold calling and networking. Hmm. Yeah. And I just married that with like all of this stuff, which is, you know, LinkedIn It's the most incredible networking tool that we have are at our disposal, but like everything marketers ruin everything. And therefore people have shown other people how to mass market through these tools and then people ignore it. So I've twisted that to say, how do you go back to being personable and actually giving a shit about people 
and what their desires and needs are. And then reflecting that by giving your time in a 30 second video to say, hi, it's not scalable. So a lot of times people go, well, yeah, but that doesn't make sense. I'm just going to fire up this automation tool, but Hey, sounds good. You go do that. There's a whole bunch of other people that know that there's a better way. Yeah. Well, and, and everybody that's been a victim of the automation tool, you know, it's on your, it's the same as the robo calls on your phone. The minute yeah. you hit that, you hit that follow button, right? They send you that, Hey, I saw your profile. looks like we could make, you know, good power partners. And the minute you hit that stupid follow button, they've got three messages in your, in your in-mail and you're going, Whoa, yeah. <laughs> what <Yeah>. the heck? <laughs> right. And so, you know, it's not a person, you know, it's not, and, and they're, they're trying to make it sound like they're, they're making this personal connection. Yeah. And of course, those are the ones that, no, I'm going to ignore them because I absolutely don't want to do business with a robot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I, it's funny how we're so focused on not scaling something when we're not even ready to scale yet, right? The lessons yeah. that you learn from those calls and those 30 second video messages sets you yep. up to be ready to scale when you run out of hours to make 30 second messages, right? Just like you're making those cold calls and you know, right? I got to make a hundred calls to get two. Yeah. Maybe, right? Yeah. That, doing that work. If you if you practice your pitch 100 times, you're going to get two and then the next hundred, you're going to get four and then the next yeah. hundred, you're going to get six because now you've done 500 calls. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. the thing people are trying to they're, they're trying to let the automation do all that growth work and you need yeah. the growth work. <laughs> that's what's yeah. going to lead you to being able to scale. Well, you bring a good point up too, is that, you know, I, so there's times when I create content and I speak about this and I think you've seen some of my stuff that I put out on LinkedIn and I speak about this idea of like, Hey, there's a better way. There's a more personalized way. Yes. It takes three to five to 10 times longer, but on the other side, you're going to create better connection. You're going to have better clients. They're going to stay with you longer. There's going to be this connection. When I've reflected on my past, I think like, you know, the training that I created, I contributed to this noise, right? I know that I did, right? I showed people like, this is how you do a headline on LinkedIn to speak to your ideal client. I serve X to accomplish Y, right? To, to overcome pain, Y to accomplish Z or whatever, right? And then everybody clones it and they do the same damn thing and they all sound the same, like just clones of each other, right? But I think back to those times of cold calling and putting in the reps and doing the outreach and hearing no. And I'm so grateful for that experience because it actually prepared me for this other side. And every time I have that moment of like, oh man, like I could send five video messages right now, or I could spend 20 minutes and queue up this automation tool. I, I default now to, no, I'm going to send five messages instead of 200 because I know what's on the other side. And I also know what the latter, I guess it would have been, you know, the automation side of things. I know what that brings me, which is just an entry point to have a conversation. You still haven't built any kind of connection. You know, all you've done is got attention. Right. And therefore, and then it's just an energy game, right? Like a lot of it to me is just an energy game. Like I'd rather create 900 pieces of content and put it out consistently on LinkedIn and never get any likes. But then somebody reaches out and says, Hey, I follow your stuff. And I really like this message. And then you end up on a podcast and you have a conversation. And now we have the ability to create more impact and share more of this message. So that's, that's how it all fits together in my head. Yeah, That's well, I, I try definitely and support like others the, on the real connection, right? Trying to make a real connection. Um, I, I think the the robo connections, obviously, that automated, it doesn't filter, right? And so you might mm -hmm. get two hundred names in your database, but are they two hundred names that are that are fit for your personality and 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 what you're offering the marketplace, right? Yeah. Or are they just two hundred random names off LinkedIn that happen to happen to click or respond or? or Ooh, they slowed down over your post right now. Yeah. They don't even have to click anymore. They just, oh, they slowed down there. You got that, that's traction. You know? Yeah. And I think at some point you learn the lesson that getting names isn't, isn't really helpful, right? Yeah. Getting, 
getting good names and quality people that are aligned with you. And, and I think that's what the content does as well. Right. Because if people totally. are watching your content, they're identifying with you and they're liking, I, I like what he's teaching. I like what he's saying. I like, I like his style. I like his bald head, like whatever it is. <laughs> exactly. You know, they're holding on and, and repeat repeatedly watching it so that when you do get on a sales call with them and have a conversation because they reached out, you're like, there's already a connection and there's already, you know, that relationship established. And I think that yeah. makes a huge difference. Right. And so being willing yeah. to, I think there's, you know, there's a ton of value, make five video calls a day, five days a week. That's 25, you know, 25 a week. That's, you it know, amplifies. 100 in a month. Yeah. <laughs> that adds up, that adds up quick. Right. Yeah. And it feels Absolutely. a lot more effective and deeper relationship building. Well, yeah. And I'll, uh, if you, if you want, I'll, I'll give a reference to this to help people that are listening, like ground themselves in the, like anybody that's resistant to that, like, yeah, but you know, like, man, it sounds like a lot of freaking work, you know, like, <laughs> and what I got to put myself on video and put myself out there and maybe somebody rejects me. And then a self-worth conversation comes in. But what I was going to reference is, two things. One, I wrote an article like three years ago. I called it the messy buyer's journey. And um, I can send it to you if you want to link it up in yeah, your show sure. notes. But Let's do it. I talked about this idea that in this world that we live in now, it's so distracting. Like we have all these things pinging at us, phones and Facebook feeds and LinkedIn and everything. There you go. Look at that. Ironic, right? And what we're trying to do as marketers and salespeople is get somebody's attention bottom level of uh, the buyer's journey, right? Awareness. So this article that I wrote though, spoke about it from like a human, a real world human perspective. It's like, okay, so I'm going to use LinkedIn because I know that my prospective clients are on there and I'm going to use the filters and I'm going to define them based on their titles and their location and their job and their industry and everything else. And I'm going to send connection requests and they're going to accept it. And I'm going to get on a call and I'm going to sell my stuff. And that's the perfect scenario. And it rarely happens like that. You know, <laughs> right? it's more accurate. You send a connection request. They, they accept it. You send a quick follow-up, nothing in return, right? They ignore you. And then you are a proactive marketer and you go, well, I'm going to follow up again because that's what you do. You got to get your touches in. So you follow up again. Something you say resonates. The person responds. You're in a conversation. You think you might be leading towards a call. And then they realize the time and that they got to take the kids to soccer practice and they out the door they go, right? Or it's 10 o'clock at night and that Netflix show they've been wanting to watch is in front of them. And they're distracted and they move on. And then three months goes by and then they come back into their feed and maybe you ping them again and said, hey, you know, want to resurrect that conversation? And now they're back on. And just this whole idea that like we're so we want instant feedback and results and we want all, it all to be positive. So to say, stay persistent with the follow-up is one, right? Don't send one message and say, well, that didn't work because then you're just not trying hard enough, you know? And then two, be willing to accept that the fact that if somebody doesn't reply to you, they don't hate you. They're not trying to spite you. They're just busy, you know? And they need to go down their own journey of exploration. And that's where the content piece really fits is that if we think of the simple version of a buyer's journey of like awareness, consideration, evaluation, or I refer to it as attention, belief, and decision. Attention is you got to get the attention of like address a pain that somebody wants to solve, show them the solution, and then have a clear call to action, right? That's your baseline content. And a lot of the stuff you see of mine is that it's kind of like, oh, I can resonate with that. Now you have attention. Then you have to show the person that you can help solve that problem with your unique methodology by showing you've done it before, showing case studies, testimonials, feedback from other people. And then the last component, which I think is the most important piece, is not just the close of the deal, but it's the uh, chemistry. It's the, do they align with you? Do they like your bald head? <laughs> like you said, right? Do they align with your values? Do they align with the way that you communicate your message? Because then they there's a level of trust that gets built. And because they've seen that you can show that you can solve the problem and that you've addressed the right thing at the right time, those are the perfect clients. That's what everybody wants, right? It's not a volume play. It's not just a, I just got to go close more business. It's I need to enroll people that are perfect, that I know that I can support best. 
those clients stick around. Those clients pay top dollar to solve big problems. And um, they create a more sustainable business that isn't one that's feast or famine. It actually becomes enjoyable. Like I personally love the calls that I do with my clients because I like the people first and foremost. And I know that my skill set can help them. And they pay big bucks to solve small problems, right? Totally. I mean, yeah. There's, there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of my clients that stay in my groups and pay, pay me money. And they literally just like hanging out, right? They like being in a group yeah. of like-minded people that they know they trust. They can, they can talk about, you know, their frustrations with their dog in the midst of a business meeting and know that nobody's going to go, Oh, no one wants to hear that. Right. No yeah. we're a group. Each of these groups is, is personal and, and, and they care about each other at a level that, that they're not getting anywhere else. <laughs> and, and I think that's one of the things on the entrepreneurial journey is, is a lot of them are out there alone. And when they can find a group of people that is supportive and helpful and, and has their back, you know, yeah. they'll pay for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. True entrepreneurs are creative seekers. I I've started using that language recently because of my own podcast where I interviewed a guy who supported me in telling my story. He was a copywriter, uh, visionary type guy, but he talked about these curious creative seekers and he's like, they're amazing. Like they, they're just constantly innovating and creating new things out of nothing. And then they pivot and they pivot and they pivot and they pivot. And from the outside perspective, people go like, yeah, that person's a total flake. They can't stay on anything. But like, when I get around other people like that, like those are my people, you know? And when I stop guessing, second guessing myself of like, there's something wrong with me of wanting to constantly elevate and mm -hmm. just innovate on who I am as a person and my businesses, man, that's, that community is so critical. It really is. You got to just, there's no other way to put it of like, if you are an entrepreneur that's working in your home office, like both of us are, and the kids are screaming or the dogs barking, Man, you'll go crazy unless you have somebody to say like, oh man, this damn dog today. Like, you just want to say it out loud and have somebody go, I hear you. I know. Yeah. So, so my dog likes to go in and out, right? Like he'll stand at the door <laughs> and he'll scratch the door and he'll do it right in the middle of, of a meeting. And he doesn't do it to me, but he does it to my wife up in her office, which she's just like half a floor up. He'll yeah. walk back to her and he'll just bark. Like he doesn't bark inside our house at all, but if you ignore him at the door long enough, and so I'm brilliant. I said, hey, my dad and I will just put a doggy door in, right? So I put yeah. this doggy door in. The next day was minus nine degrees. I'm like, we're not, close the doggy door, pack it full of insulation. That dog is not using the doggy door until summer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm brilliant. <laughs> yeah, well, you uh, just adapt. You do what you got to do. Like most people, I, I think we're actually seeing a narrative now too, where even people that are not really entrepreneurs, they're corporate executives, they're having to live that world too, right? Kids being kept at home um, from school, uh, having to work remotely sometimes forever now, right? Like they're not going back to the office and these are real problems now. Like it's not just entrepreneurial problems. <laughs> That's right. It used, it used to be only us entrepreneurs, but. So you mentioned mentors, right? You had great mentors in, in your sales um, business, which I think probably set you up to reach out and, and look for mentors in your entrepreneurial journey. And of course, you've mentioned yeah. masterminds and coaches. Um, what, how would you pursue a mentor now? Or if you were you know, telling yourself back in 2005, what kind of mentors to look for? What would you share? Yeah, well, I can always speak from my own perspective of like when I first started off as an entrepreneur and started that very first website development business, I was very fortunate actually to get thrown into uh, an incubator. You know, we oh. were one of like eight companies that got put into this brand new building downtown and had some people around us to just bounce ideas off of because there's no, you know, this is changing, but you know, 20 years ago, which is almost, it's almost 20 years ago now. It's crazy to think, but it wasn't a thing like entrepreneurship wasn't sexy. There was no structure around it. Like this incubator was like super, um, out there, right. Hmm. They're like incubator, you know, like, yeah. what does that even mean? But then you get around people that are like, all right, so how are you feeling? You know, they would just listen 
and here, like, mm, yeah, I've been there before. You know what? You need to talk to Steve over here. Steve, Steve's done what you're doing right now before. And that was super helpful. But when I um, dove into this, the digital marketing space, I found that there was so much access to information that I personally thought I don't need to invest or like choose a single mentor because there's literally hundreds of them out there, you know? And then after about five years of that, I realized like, man, this noise is actually hurting me. You know, I'm not choosing to pick a mentor or a handful of mentors to act as my guides. Instead, I'm listening to conflicting information where they're both right from their perspective, from their definition of truth. It wasn't until I actually started to really um, listen to uh, the deeper elements of like, not just sales tactics, but actually like, what do I want? Like, what, what's my purpose? Like the, I remember the first time I thought of value or somebody mentioned like values, mission and vision. I was like, how do I, how do I define that? Like, I don't even understand what that means. But then I just went exploring and naturally you, when you start to be curious about these things, you end up finding those people and they're never in traditional senses, right? They just kind of come into your world. And the key, I think, in all of that is just trusting because a lot of, like I mentioned at the start of this, I invested $8,000 into a mentoring program per month. It was a $100,000 program to do two group calls a month where I had about 10 minutes on the clock to actually say out loud what I was going through. And I spent $8,000 a month on that. To the logical mind, that's an insane investment, you know, to the financially um, uh, analytical, you know, business person. They're like, what's the ROI on that? Like, you can't measure that, but it was the best investment I ever made in my life. Mm -hmm. So that's a long answer to your question, but it's kind of like, you know, trust your instincts. Um, if you hear people speaking and living a life and being authentic in the way that you want to be gravitate towards those people and trust that even if the investment sometimes makes you uncomfortable as shit, a lot of times it's the most, it's the most important thing you should do. Yeah. So good. Well, and I like that you, you mentioned that, that five years where you're just like, well, I've got, and now, especially right. We've got podcasts and you got books and audible, yeah. right. You can be listening to an audio book and listen to 12 different podcasts and you can, you, there's tons of voices out there and you can go online and take, a billion online courses on how to build an online business and, and have mm -hmm. all these things. So I like that you, you recognize after a few years that, Whoa, there's just too much, right? Yeah. If I pick one or two voices and I listen to just those one or two voices and I'm not saying you got to pay them. I'm saying pick one or two, right? Pick your, pick one or two podcasts that are feeding you well, pick one author that you like their stuff and just dive into it and then follow it, right? Do do what they're telling you to do. I yeah. think that's the big thing about that investment is that investment was big enough that when that group said, Trevor, you should, you went mm -hmm. out and you said, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go do that. Right. And I think the challenge with so many of these online programs, right? hundred bucks for this, 200 bucks for that, 300 bucks for this. And the people don't have the emotional investment that they have with their wallet. Yeah. And they buy the course. And like you said, they become the 94% that don't do jack with it. And I don't want those kind of clients. And I know you mentioned it. You don't want those kind of clients because no. the whole point of me putting that content out there and putting that work out there is to make a difference, to help transform people's lives. And yeah. I don't want people that don't want transformation <laughs> sitting around. Yeah. I want people that are, that are all in and they're, they're invested with their time and they're invested with their money and they're invested with their heart. And so when our group says, hey, you should go do this, they're going to come back next week and say, wow, you guys wouldn't believe what happened. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so, yeah. so, so valuable. <laughs> yeah. Leap into the void, right? Like I'm actually looking at a, a quote that I have on my wall here that one of my mentors mentioned to me like three years ago. And this was referring to like the sales process, but it can be for anything when you're in a group like you're talking about and somebody says, yeah, that thing that you just said out loud, you should go do that. Like, don't like, that's it. Just go do it. Like, you know, you need to do it. But this quote is, um, you're either buying into somebody's limiting beliefs, stories, and smallness, or you're enrolling them into the future version of them, of their greatest self. Mm. 
And that one always just landed for me where I was like, oh man, where am I buying people's stories, both in the sales process and then even working with clients? Because, and going through that and being, being that as well has contributed to my ability to be able to, for lack of a better term, like call out the bullshit. Like when somebody says, I want this and you go, cool, go do that, go be that. And they go, well, yeah, yeah but like, that's where excuses. they get the yeah, buts. Yeah, limiting beliefs. Yeah, you, that's a story. But you don't understand, Trevor. Yeah. You, you don't understand I'm different, right? You yeah. don't understand my, my my background. You don't understand I don't have enough money. You don't understand I don't have the time. You don't understand. Yeah, but. <laughs> and that's why I told my story. And I, I actually have to do another iteration of telling it on my about page on my website. But like when I took out that $100,000 loan, I was already $100,000 in debt from my business. Mm. Um, just. I hadn't managed my money well, you know? So I was now $200,000 in debt. I invested in that program. And three weeks later, my wife and I had our second son who was born 16 weeks early. He was a pound, just over a pound. And we spent the next 16 weeks in the NICU driving back and forth and, and, and like four to six hours a day, as long as they'd let us stay in there. Right. Wow. And I blew up my business and said, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I gave everybody their money back. And I started from zero. Like I had every opportunity to freak out and say, oh, I can't do this. I need to go get a job or whatever, you know, give me my I'm money be back. A Walmart greeter. Anything, whatever, you know, <laughs> something that was safer. But I pushed through it because of the community and the people that I ended up surrounding myself with, where they were like, they held space for me. Cause they were like, look, we, we can't ignore this. Like, dude, this is tough shit. Like, I don't know if I can do it. You know, like people would say it out loud, but then they'd hold me high and go, you got this. And I got through it. So now as a mentor and a coach for other people, like I know that the extremes of what I went through when somebody says, yeah, geez, I just don't have the money. I'm like, neither did I, when I was $200,000 in debt and had every reason to quit. But look at what I created on the other side of this in that void and the uncomfortableness is actually everything you want on the other mm -hmm. side. And that was a huge one for me from a sales perspective. You just talk about like, where do I come from, from a sales training perspective? Yeah. I teach tactics and about reps and tracking your progress and using technology and all that. But most of it's an inner game. It's mostly absolutely. here. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by add value to life coaching. Want to learn the mindset secrets of successful entrepreneurs that have been shared on our podcast? Well, you can get them for free at addvaluemindset.com, addvaluemindset.com. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. So speaking of inner game, let's, let's talk about character and, and the character necessary to, to be an entrepreneur. And of course, oh. share, share with us th that your son is now three years old and, and yeah, I assume doing okay. He's a monster. It's crazy. They, yeah, he's, uh, he's about 20 pounds more than his older brother. He's like 15 months younger than him. He's just a big boy. Yeah, no, we're super. Yeah, who knows, right? Or a, a linebacker or something, right? <laughs> but no, he's super healthy. We're very grateful for for that and and just the journey of all of that stuff but um character yeah the i think it's just a resilience you know like there's there's a special there's a special nature to people that are willing to jump into that um that void of uh i want to say uncomfortableness again to go control their own destiny you know and right now i think is it's so important to have these conversations too because you know the stats are telling us that like 4.5 million people a month are either quitting or losing their job right now in the united states right it's nuts that's unfathomable like it's just like what you know and then you think like a percentage of them are are jumping to the next career which is the company that says we embrace your remote working and we'll buy you a stand-up desk and you can work from anywhere in the world and like a lot of people are just going to a better space. Others are um, saying, geez, you know what? Maybe I should just be a leadership coach or a sales consultant or a whatever, you know, take my 20 years of experience and go and be that. And what 
I'm seeing and what I'm feeling the call to, to be a guide for is that the true, true entrepreneurs are going to fight through all the ups and the downs. They're just going to know. They're going to know where to gravitate to go and find their people to feel normal and all that kind of stuff. But there's a big chunk of those people that are going to freak the shit out halfway through (laughs) it. And they're going to be in a lot of trouble, right? Because they can't go back to the corporate world. They've they've told themselves they've failed as an entrepreneur and now they're ready to quit. And we know, you know, I know that like we've, every entrepreneur goes through that. Nobody, no one entrepreneur, you look at even all the success stories, the Steve Jobs, the Elon Musk, all that kind of stuff. Like Elon Musk has been close to bankruptcy numerous times in his life, right? Like, but not from the perspective of like, oh, I'm down to my last dollar. It's like, oh man, I'm down to my last 50 million and my payroll is 45, you know, just different level of perspective. But like that's uh reality and the character that it's going to take to um, help hold people high in those situations is I feel what, what my next calling is here too. So like, yes, I do LinkedIn. Yes, I do sales. Yes. I support people on tactics and funnels and all that kind of stuff, but they're just byproducts of what the real purpose of what I'm trying to do is. Nice. That's my best answer for character. (laughs) That's good. So let's talk about your purpose. Now you, you mentioned, you know, all of a sudden you had to figure out what your values were and what, what really mattered. Right. What, and I, and I think, you know, obviously building your business after your son's recovery, that that's a huge motivator in the Y department. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And, and the freedom that you have as an entrepreneur to have taken that time and, you know, and, and I, I agree you mentioned the false safety, right? Like we jump, we jump into this world where we've taken full responsibility. Um, but I, I'm not any more secure or less secure now as an entrepreneur than I was when I had my job, right? My yeah, job went totally. away as easy as as easy as my business could go away. Um, it, the difference is that that I know it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I and yeah. I acknowledge it every day. I'm I'm in full control of whether or not this business survives or not. Yeah, that's completely up to me. <laughs> yeah, and how so, you show up. Yeah, well, how do I like? part of that question you were asking was it's on my wall. So those, Mm. those posters right there that say, be grateful, be curious, be brave. Mm. Those are foundations of what I constantly tell myself and also what I'm getting to be every single day to be able to um, essentially create the blueprint of the roadmap for my kids. Like that's been a big motivator um, to starting my podcast, to creating that foundation of like, just a reminder, you know, like even like gratefulness, I bought this book the other day. Cause I was like, I need, I need to constant reminder of like, why am I doing this? You know? And ultimately does it any, does any of it really matter? You know, like even when shit hits the fan in the business and you're like, Oh, that didn't work. You're just like, cool. <laughs> that, I learned I, something. I learned something from that. And especially the little things, right? Because when you think back on the big things and you're like, oh man, like this thing right now is nothing, you know? Like, so the curiosity side too, though, is just to embrace the idea of being the seeker and the creative and and to not put myself down over it too. Like my constant curiosity of like, I wonder how you can do that better. Geez, you know what? I'm really, I got a pretty good routine now of like taking care of myself health wise, but like, how can I do it even better? How can I continue leveling up, you know? And then even just stepping into the uncomfortableness. And that's where the bravery part comes in is like, there was a guy I interviewed on my podcast who had a quote saying, every level up brings the devil up. And he was referring to this idea of like, when you're at the top of your game and you got it dialed in, and you don't take the leap into that next level where you start from the bottom again, you're not trying hard enough. You're not committed to growth. Like you have to break through and get to that uncomfortable state because on the other side is the next level of you. It's the next level of your business. And that imposter voice is going to be there at every level. Every single time. It It never never goes goes away. away. It never goes away. The levels just change. Like you speak about Elon Musk, right? Like, you think about the level of like risk that that guy has to take on a daily basis, you know, like I'm going to go invest in SpaceX, which has no monetization 
strategy at all. They're not selling tickets on the rocket ships right now. It's just dumping money into it. But it's like there's a vision there of a future. Well, now, yeah. Now he's he's selling all of his property because he's like, I don't need to collect property. We need to get to Mars, and this is this is what it's going to take. And so yeah, he has a focus, and I I appreciate that focus. You know, whether whether I agree with everything he does, I mean, obviously he's a yeah. brilliant 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 businessman and he's doing incredible things and he cares he cares about the planet and he cares about a future which is why he's he's driving spacex in in the way that he is yeah um, and, I, and i i appreciate that dedication and certainly appreciate his his drive for something better yeah absolutely yeah. you mentioned so much good stuff in there so i got to go back so let's talk about gratitude and how gratitude yeah the, the power that gratitude has yeah. I think the lesson that I've learned about gratitude and why I stuck it on my wall and bought a, bought a book and just constantly just revisit it is not the idea is, is not from the perspective of what a lot of people think, which is just like, what are you grateful for? What are the amazing things happening in your life? I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my standard of living, all of these things. But is to actually look at the things too that are painful and go, I'm grateful that my body broke down a week ago because I think I had COVID, but I don't know if I did because I tested negative, but I had the same symptoms as everybody around me that got COVID and tested positive. <laughs> I'm so grateful for that because I just went through an upgrade on my body, right? It's, it's a perspective, you know? The other side of that would just be like, oh, I got COVID. Oh my God. Well, I'm going to like... It's fear-based, right? So I choose to look at the positive, even in every in every situation. It's so incredibly important, I think, in our world today because everything that's being thrown at us is also fear-based, and just it's um, it's holding people back from actually embracing how amazing life actually is because it is pretty freaking awesome all around, you know. Even the shitty stuff that happens. Absolutely, I think so many. Uh, lose sight of the journey, right? First mm. of all, we get this idea of success is a destination, right? Like the idea that somebody's arrived. Oh, they made it, right? Like, oh, they're there. But but yeah. once you're there, there, there is no there, right? You realize that, woo, I made, you know, oh, I, I got a bestseller. That's one yeah. day, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. no longer, you know, the, the truth is finding joy in the journey. And, and if you're an entrepreneur and you're miserable and you're hating it, like, change change yeah the path, change the journey because it's the day-to-day -day that has to be enjoyable mm -hmm. if you don't find the day-to-day -day enjoyable the things that you're doing 90 percent of the time you need to change what you're doing yeah <laughs> and the great yeah. thing about it is you have that you have that option that's an option right and yeah. i think most people feel stuck right they felt stuck in a job they feel like oh i i just couldn't i just couldn't and like you said right you just got to leap you just yeah. got to jump into the chasm and, and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that's the, the thing that entrepreneurs do. And also once entrepreneurs cross that line, they become unemployable, right? Like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I know. I know that we, world. We're we are unemployable. Like no yeah. company could offer me enough stuff that I give up what I've created. No, for sure. And, and, and that's, that's a, that's a cool feeling, right? Cause even if I lose this business, I'm not going back to a job. Yeah. You I'm trust not, that starting, you'll create something I'm else. Starting something else and create yeah. something else. Absolutely. And take all the lessons you've learned, right? And there's actually an important part I wanted to stress on that too is I did a talk like four years ago now. I called it Should I Quit or Should I Double Down? And I referenced the roller coaster and all that kind of stuff. And what I was trying to get across in that talk really was like we attach our identity to the, the projects and the businesses and the stuff that we start. And then if they don't go the path of what we thought they were going to, we think that we failed. And then therefore there's a guilt and a shame. And then we'll push through on something that we should have just straight up killed six <laughs> months ago, just to save face. It's all ego, right? So there's this narrative of like, you know, be resistant, hustle, just push through. You got this, you know, like, don't quit. Don't quit. You know, the choking the frog kind of thing. Never quit. It's like, no, man, sometimes you just got to quit. Like if you, if you know that like, no, this is not my path. I know that I should be doing this quit now. 
and go down that other journey and you know that you just leveled up to that bottom of the next level and you're starting from zero again, trust yourself though. Most people struggle with that. A lot of people struggle with that, especially well, it's the sunken. It's the sunken costs, right? Like yeah. the idea in your head that you've already put this, this much investment in it. And it's, it's a time myth. and money, right? It's a myth that those sunken costs are going to get the reward at the end. And sometimes you're better off just cutting that thing off and making, making the shift that you want to make where you can yeah. double or triple because you find something that your, your passion's involved in and tied to, and, and you go three or four times as fast instead of dragging yourself down this hole of sunken costs. Yeah. Oh, but I paid $20,000 for that coaching. And, oh, I paid, you know, $20,000 for that Facebook ad. And, and yeah. at some point you recognize, but it ain't getting you nothing. It's in fact, it's making you miserable. So yeah, be willing to let go of that sunken cost and, and, and make a shift. That's yeah. So good. My Are wife said to me, my wife oh. said to me the other day, I'll just, I'll just t cap that off. She's like, uh, cause I just shifted my, uh, focus here recently too. And, and, you know, put aside five clients that I was working with to be able to spend more time on some other passion projects and, my wife joked around. She's like, oh, we're in transition, Trevor, right now. And I was like, yep. She goes, okay, some experience tells me that this costs us about $10,000 a month. So she goes, when do you figure you're going to be out of and on the other side of this? I'm like, well, if history tells me, like every time I do this now, I actually pivot myself faster, you know, where it might have taken six months in the past to kind of get my feet underneath me. Then it was three, then it was one. And now it's like within a week because of the people I surround myself with and the trust I have in myself, I can do it faster. And that's part of the journey. So you transition faster than the Detroit lions. It's <laughs> much faster. <laughs> yeah. So you can tell your wife, at least I'm not as <laughs> yep. lifetime transition stage. Yeah. Yeah, for so sure. Speak, and speaking of your wife, let's talk about your, what was your favorite date? Oh, good question. Pivot. Here, here's a pivot. Um, my wife and I, I actually have it on a whiteboard right here because we made a point at the start of uh, actually the end of last year to intentionally put quarterly retreats on our calendar where we get away and we we don't go far now. We go 20 minutes down the road to uh, a beautiful place on the lake in Summerland. But that's that's the one that comes to mind right now is, you know, we just went for two nights and we sat and watched the new James Bond movie and hung out and had a good steak dinner and did a whole bunch of nothing. And it was so nice, especially with yeah. two kids, you know, it's just like, we probably slept for more of the time than anything. Love but that. Um, yeah, that's, that's what comes to mind. So what do you love to do in your free time? Uh, I want to say that I'm uh, addicted to personal development which just means that I do cold plunges now. So that's, that's been a huge one for me. In fact, my neighbor got me into it and he reframed it for me the other day. He's like, no, no, that's not a cold plunge. That's the think tank. And I've been sitting in it lately too. Once you get past, and it, it took about two dunks for me to kind of get past the like one minute mark where I was like, <laughs> now I'm sitting in it for like 15 minutes and I find the most clarity when I'm in there. Wow. And so it's that kind of stuff, you know, like I'm, a, I'm, I just joined this challenge recently as just a kickstart to like kind of step into the next level of uh, speaking my truth and shifting my podcast and stuff. And I'm just addicted to being around other people that want to constantly level up. Love that. That's awesome. All right. So how important is play and fun then since you're addicted to it? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's a great question because I think that's probably the one thing that I haven't given myself permission to do enough of is to uh, do nothing and to love it. Or, you know, when I say nothing is like go outside. Like we live on the side of a mountain in a beautiful valley area with wineries and orchards. Like just go for a walk, you know, or well, hang out with, yeah, hang out with my kids. There's a time. That's what I'm saying. There's a time. Your boys are right at the age where they're fun. Like, yeah, <laughs> they're, fun. they're so curious, you know, they're like million. Friends million questions they can actually walk more than a block before they're complaining and you got to carry them <laughs> and they can so, tell you what's wrong like oh my leg hurts instead of just bawling and you're like i don't know what's wrong he won't stop crying i can't get him to <laughs> yeah they that's can true tell you what's going on so 
three, yeah. three, five and older is just like, woo, we need to, we need to be hanging out and, and spending time. So, so totally encourage, encourage that. Um, I think that's, that's an awesome opportunity that you have before you. Yeah. 100%. So what inspires you, Trevor? What inspires me in, um, other people that are committed to the same kind of growth that I am. Uh, there's an energy that I get by being around people that are constantly questioning their beliefs and then being brave enough to actually say what they think out loud, knowing that when they're around other people that will hold space for you and not make you feel wrong or put you down for it. But at the same time, be able to call you out and say like, you know, the answer to that one, you know, exactly what you need to do. You know what your best self would do in that situation. Are you being authentically you? Are you being in of integrity? That. Hmm. Nice. All right. So now we're going to go back to a little bit of that family thing. What, what does it look like to design your business around your family? I've done a lot of reflecting on this recently because we were talking before we flipped the record button here that we're going to be moving our family down to somewhere tropical. I don't know where yet, Costa Rica, Mexico, Panama. My wife's going down in April actually to just scout things out. She she needs a trip. She backpacked through South America. I was like, you should just go, <laughs> just go. <laughs> Tell us where we need to move. I trust her with that, you know? But um, part of my pivots here in the last month has been what does this future life look like where I can do my work because I love my work. Like when, when people say like, how do you work 14 hour days? I say, because I love it, you know, but at the same time, like you mentioned, my kids are three and five. I get to spend more time with them. I get to be their teacher. I get to be their guide. I get to be their surfing buddy all of that stuff, you know? And then I looked at what I was doing for work and where my time was going. And I was like, that's not going to work. So I thought, okay, well, the plan is to move in June, June or July, like five, six months from now. I'm like, what can I do now that sets me up to be able to land in that place where if I said, you know what, I'm going to take the next month off that I can. Hmm. And that's the life that I'm creating now. And, um, uh, it didn't just happen overnight, you know, like when I reflect back on it, I think it's because I've built my 10,000 hours of expertise. Like Malcolm Gladwell says, I put in 15 years of hustle and, and heartache and triumphs and defeats to be able to be in that place. Now, what my work is, is to trust that I have all the tools to be able to make that my reality and that I don't overthink it because that's one of the aspects of the creative entrepreneur is that we will constantly second guess and, and shift and wonder if there's a better way. And that's, that doesn't serve me anymore. I trust <laughs> no. that I'm on the right journey. So let's talk about building your audience. Obviously you found, you know, LinkedIn effective and, and other social media tools, but if, if you're encouraging someone to build their audience today, what, what would you encourage them? How, what approach would you encourage them to take? Yeah, it's never, it might've been tactical in the past where I'd say, oh, LinkedIn, you should just be writing articles and promoting them this way. Now I take a different perspective on it. It's start with why, just like Simon Sinek says, right? Start with why, why are you doing this? Like, cause a lot of times I'll speak to people even that say, I want to create a podcast. So then the question is always why? Well, you know, cause I want to be able to have great conversations with people. Okay. Why? Well, you know, I want to, I want to talk to like, uh, influencers and people that have lots of reach. Why? Well, cause I want to have influence and reach. Why? You know, like you keep going deeper and deeper and eventually you kind of get to the end of it and you're like, oh, that's not actually what I want. Like <laughs> for me, when I think of marketing, if you start with why and you understand the people you know you can best serve and the people you want to spend more time with, if you structure the way that you create your offers and, and build your community and that type of thing, you, most people don't need thousands of clients. They need a handful. Like for me, I have a model where five clients, that's mm -hmm. it. I don't work with more than five clients. Wow. And it's because I've structured things in a way where I know that my focused energy on those five clients and the way that I built things allows me to serve them best. 
Anything beyond that, I'd be doing them a disservice. And then for what purpose? To make more money? What if I just doubled my rates for those clients, got them better results, and was able to give them more of my focus and attention? So that's a kind of a roundabout answer of like, how do you market yourself? Where do you get attention? It's like, think about why you're doing it first. Because well, I've got a lot of content. That you worked yourself from 26,000 people that have taken a course to now serving five clients, right? Yeah. And all that work in building that course and tracking that audience all plays into the experience now that you can give to your clients, not just as, hey, I created this course, but as, you know, I marketed this and I did this and I built this business and now I can help come alongside you in doing the same thing. And yeah. so, so all of that plays to the next level, right? Mm-hmm. You yeah. can't start out with five clients typically, right? It's not, well, that's not a starting point for most people, depending yeah, on your expertise and what you're, what you're offering. And it's going to evolve too, right? Like naturally when I think about time freedom, financial freedom, all that kind of stuff, I can't trade my time for dollars. So therefore, you know, I need to create a model of wealth creation that doesn't require me to be involved. And that's, you know, there's multiple ways to do that in this world, real estate, investments. Um, and then to some degree, the courses and stuff too, right? Like there's part of me that I do have a course for sale right now, actually, but I'm not putting my focused effort on it because I'm focused on these five clients and really mastering things there. But I know that that course will be a part of my future too, because when you start seeing the um, sales come through on your emails and stuff, and you know that it's structured in a way that will actually create impact for people, it feels really good, right? Like where you're like, I'm taking the day off. I already made $3,000 today selling my online courses. It creates permission for that almost, you know? So it, it evolves over time. Yeah. Well, and then those are the clients right, that go to the next level, right? Yeah. You typically don't start out with a $100,000 client first first sale, right? In fact, if you follow the, the typical model, even the Tony Robbins model or or even Russell Brunson, right? You start out with a $5, $10 book <laughs> and then it goes to, you know, a $97 course. And then it goes to, you know, and of course at the upper end, it's, it's a $25,000 mastermind. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so think... that, that process, you know, evolves over a lifetime with clients that really, really dig you. Yeah. Well, I've, and there's part of that though, too, I would say that a lot of times entrepreneurs, especially in the coaching consulting space or even service-based business space, they undervalue what they actually bring to the table and they're willing to bend on something because they don't think that they're worth it. Right. So like for me, for example, like I work with five clients, but you know, those clients all pay me well. And I've had many cases where I've done calls with people and I've worked through strategy sessions and get to the end. And I say, these are my rates. And they go, geez, you think you can do it for half of that and a, and a profit share? And I'm like, no, no, I can't. Um, and old me would have freaked out a little bit and went, oh, will I ever find another client that will even pay me that half amount? And maybe I should take that thing, but now I don't even second guess it. And that's all mindset, you know? So, well, and it's the investment on their part, right? If you cut the value in half, you've just yeah. taken half the value that they're going to get out of the course, even if they agree to pay for it. Yeah. The higher value, the higher they pay for it, the more the, the more productive their results are going to be. And more transformative it'll be. Yeah, absolutely. There's still a, a connection between where we put our money, which is energy. The rest of our energy goes there too. Because Absolutely. for whatever reason, you know, we, we put our time and our focus on it. We, we commit to things in a different way when you invest in yourself, in your business. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, it, it sounds like that, no way. If they pay $500, they pay $1,000. What's the difference? The truth is if they pay $1,000 and you don't devalue it, right? You don't say, well, it's only worth half. So yeah, go ahead and pay me half. No, it's worth the full amount. Yeah. If you pay the full amount, you're going to get 10x results. Yeah. Whereas if you pay half, you're going to get half results. And and it really is energy. It's not it's not a it's not about attitude, it's not about commitment, it's not about any it's the energy behind yeah. those things. And that 
that's it's real. It's yeah. as real as just like you mentioning earlier, eight thousand dollars a month for some entrepreneurs. That's like, oh, I could yeah. never. I don't even make five thousand a month. But that eight thousand dollar a month investment was a huge energy commitment on your behalf that said, I'm all in. Yeah. Yeah. And that I'm all in gets I'm all in results. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. Well, and I'll give you an exact example too. When I pivoted my business from an online course with a little bit of support through email to more of a mentoring model that had a course still, but then also some like group coaching calls on a weekly basis and a few one-on-ones even too. It took more of my energy to deliver it, but not a ton more, like not a lot more. And actually I enjoyed it because I was like, these people need it anyways. And I want to talk to them, but my price point went from $500 to 5,000 for practically the same thing. Just a little bit more personal touch, but not a ton, but the results were like not even comparable, not even comparable. Everybody that did that program with me got what they paid for. Mm which was nice. more of my focus and attention. It's all energy. Everything's well, and energy. Their, and their <laughs> results, right? They yeah. were all in. They were committed at a much higher level and their results will reflect on that. Not your ability to, to teach them or show them, but their commitment to themselves in, yeah. in following through is, is what leads to their results, right? You can't do it for them. No. <laughs> and so and that absolutely yeah. has more to do with their commitment and their investment um, and, and like you said, what you're providing at $500 to 5,000, I think you know, if anybody's looking for information on that, Alex Hormosi's book on the hundred million dollar mm. offer is a fantastic tool, right. And on, on how so many people undervalue. And, and if you, if you niche it down and you know exactly who you serve, you can charge more money and yeah. you can deliver almost the exact same material that you would give for $29 for $2,900 and people get better results. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, you just have to be willing. Again, it all comes down to the inner game, right? Because you have to be willing to hear the resistance and the no's and and know the numbers too, right? Like I, my model previous to blowing up my business was volume-based. Like I had to sell and keep selling. There was no monthly recurring revenue model built into it. And I had to hit a certain volume, which means I needed to build my list constantly. I needed to find new partnerships. I needed to build, um, you know, awareness through ads and social content and everything else. And then I flipped it and I was like, oh, I only need 10 clients to make the same thing I was doing before with a hundred clients. Whew. And then you just like, it just hits you when you like, can have what somebody. Was I doing? And then when you look at the numbers though, too, like, I think like when I sold a $5,000 program, it's, I didn't sell it to every person I talked to that there was still a, an attrition level or like a conversion rate at each level too. Right. So for like every 10 calls I would get at that time, like seven people would show up and I'd probably convert three or four, which was great, you know, sure. and then it would go a little lower and then you'd have to op open the net a little wider. And before you know it, like four people are showing up to calls and you're like, what in the hell, you know? But these are the pivots that we make, right? Is then like, well, now how do you increase your show up rate? Because if you double your show up rate, your conversion rate will stay the same, but you might actually convert an extra person because now you have twice as many calls. Understanding those numbers is a huge, huge part of um, the intellectual brain rationalizing, oh, I can do $5,000. I'm just going to have to hear no seven times in order to hear a yes and be okay with that. Cause my conversion Absolutely. rate on the $500 program was super high. Cause it was 500 bucks. Like, right. Wasn't that hard of a decision for most people that was disposable cash. Right. <sighs> yeah. 5,000 is a little different commitment, but I, I learned early on that yes lives in the land of no. So yeah. <laughs> you can't get used to no <laughs> hanging out with no has got to be, a, you got to be okay with no. And, yeah. and it's just not personal, right? It's not, they're not a good fit. And if you force somebody in, right, or manipulate somebody in, they're not going to do it anyway. And then they're going to ask for a refund. And that's even bigger heartache. Yeah. Right. I want no, people it's... to love my stuff and, and yeah. love their time with me. And so that's why most of mine is all month to month. I don't have a long-term contract. I don't have, if you don't like it, get out. I don't yeah. want you there any more than you want to be there. Right. That's yeah, got to be a heck yes. <laughs> Absolutely. All, all right, Trevor, what's the big dream, buddy? I'm living it already. That's one of the things that 
I have grounded myself in recently is that there's not a future version of myself that is the greatest. I am the greatest version of myself right now. And I'm constantly um, committed to furthering that growth. Like I'm obsessed with it as a seeker, creative type of person. But it's just been the last couple of months that, that I've really grounded myself in that of like, this is not about getting to Costa Rica. This is not about having the time to spend more time with my kids. It's now. I get to spend more time with them now. I get to be the best version of myself, take care of myself, um, be grateful for where I live. Like I'm in paradise as it is. Like there's not a better place in Canada to live. Yeah, it's kind of cold, but there's no ocean, but uh, still pretty damn awesome. And yeah, that's I'm already sweet. there. That's awesome. All right. So last question I typically ask is you've spent you know, had coffee with a young entrepreneur and you're going to leave him with Trevor's words of wisdom. What would you share? Mm. Um, I said one the other day, I was trying to recall what it is, but uh, there's just so many that come to mind, to be honest. I think the biggest thing is just uh, trust yourself, you know, like the, one of the byproducts of entrepreneurship and the amount of information that we have access to is to, is that we second guess ourselves on, mm. am I in the right place? And the answer is yes, you're always exactly where you're supposed to be. So no matter what that looks like, just trust yourself, trust that you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Even if it looks messy and it kind of sucks and you're down to that last 20 bucks at the grocery store, like I've been there. And if I could give myself advice, it would be, man, embrace that. That was some of the best times of my life, but I, I made it more painful and more struggling than I had to. Mm, so good. Trevor, mm. thank you so much for sharing today. I appreciate you taking the time and then sharing so much wisdom and, and just being your authentic self. Really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. I enjoyed the conversation. I kind of knew that it would be like that. Just felt the energy from you as well. So I appreciate what you're doing here. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode... Kurt shares a concept of fasting the mind to allow space for creativity. Too many people are living constantly in fight, flight, or freeze mode, and they don't have the opportunity for a healthy thought life because their brain is constantly in panic mode. Identity is an illusion, so if it is an illusion, why not create the identity that serves you and your future self?